Hi everyone, it's Sandy Cruz from Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. And I'm here to show you that balanced living works. This is especially for all you ladies over 40. We will cover a range of exciting topics with many special guests and I really look forward to this season. Bye for now. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 14 of Sandy K Nutrition Health and Lifestyle Queen. So in the last week, there's been a lot going on. I mean, you cannot turn on the news without hearing about what happened with George Floyd. Now, I myself am educating myself much more on this topic of white privilege. And I don't know if I'm going to say the right thing, but I am going to do my best to learn more about it. And I'm not silent. So for those of you who follow me, I really appreciate it on Instagram at Sandy K Nutrition. And the K is just a K. Please go there and follow me. I have posted a lot of things pertaining to what happened and I am no longer silent. I am white and I understand more and more now what white privilege is. And so, you know, seeing all these things in the news with um, the protests that are going on and with groups of white people who are standing in front of black people to protect and say, we are with you. You know, there's so much of this we are divided in our world that it's crazy. And so in terms of what's been going on in the world, I am, there are some things I find really difficult to watch, so I don't watch them. But I am listening to those who are leading in this entire front where, you know, we need to educate ourselves as white people and not be silent anymore. So I wanted to start off this segment about that because it is such an important thing that many of us on this side, many of us white women, um, we don't even think about, and we should. And so I'm going to start there. And I think it's important for all of us to really look at this and not be silent anymore. So that's something to think about. Now, on a different topic, other things have happened this week. I actually attended a virtual conference over the weekend kind of. I did my best. I'm going to have to catch up on a lot of it virtually. Um, I mean, through video after. It's uh, it's all going to be recorded. However, what I really loved about this conference is that it was all about women supporting women. In the space of social media, so I am on Instagram at Sandy K Nutrition, and I am on Facebook, Sandy K Nutrition. I have a page there. 
it is almost crazy and I don't talk a lot about the negativity out there but there's so much of it there's so much of I'm on this side you're on that side you're a bad person because you're on that side I mean you can even go to the mask discussion to mask or not to mask you know oh you won't wear a mask You're killing me. My God, I went into a store this week. And here is the platform in which I can talk about this. On the weekend, I went to a store. I asked a sales associate to take me to the glass case where there were some items I wanted to look at under lock and key. And I asked her to take me there. And it happened to be near the lineup. There was a large lineup. And so... The lady brought me there and she said to the gentleman, excuse me, sir, so that he had enough time to say, okay, I need to get into my personal space, right? Because of COVID, I need to get into my personal space. He had enough time. We came in and he, it was like he put his arms around his eight or nine-year-old son and loudly said, It would be very nice if you could give us our personal space and made a scene. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, and I, I, because I was so shocked, you know, when you, you want to say something and you think of all these great things after you leave the scene, well, that's me. I'm not very fast on my feet when it comes to comebacks in, in, you know, a very emotional situation. So The man was obviously trying to just make a point because he had plenty of room to move away. He had plenty of warning when the the sales associate said, excuse me, sir, and he could have moved away. But he was trying to make a point, a very public one. And after we walked away, I very nicely said to the lady, I'm thinking, geez, if this man was so terrified and, you know, he looked at us like we were going to kill him and his child, honestly. If he was that terrified, why is he waiting in a lineup, a very busy lineup at Golf Town? Yeah, it was Golf Town. So there you go. That's an, uh, an interesting example of them versus us. I was not wearing a mask. Interestingly enough, he wasn't either. But he was in the Golf Town lineup. A big lineup. So it's very interesting what's happening in the world right now. And so this GEM conference that I attended was very refreshing because it was all about these successful women in the space of social media. They were helping other women. So I'm not big on Instagram right now. I have about 2,000 followers on Facebook, about 8,000. You know, these are women who have been doing this for many years and they want to help. They want to help. So you know what I did after this conference? I looked into each and every one of the speakers and I went and I followed them on Instagram. Now, why did I do this? Even if it was something I didn't need. So um, it might have been something pertaining to photography or something of that nature and The point is, is that I believe in supporting women who are out there to try and do good. 
The space of social media can be really ugly in a lot of ways, but can also be very positive, which I will get to. Um, it's it's all about my next guest. Um, so, but, you know, there's a lot of negativity out there. I've been called all kinds of names by people who are very, very against eating animal protein. Um, a lot of hate thrown my way, mostly on Facebook, actually. And so instead of fighting with that, I actually just delete the comment and block because I have found that when you shoot negativity with negativity, nothing good comes out of it. So I rather quietly just make it go away and move on. But it still affects me. I'm a pretty sensitive and emotional person. So it'll stay with me. And so very recently, after this GEM conference, um, it was probably in the, ne- in the last day. So one thing I actually make a point of doing is I will go and follow other registered holistic nutritionists within my area. So I know they're from the Toronto area or they're from Ottawa or anywhere in Ontario, even in Canada. I feel like I know the word is very masculine, but it's like a no. Instead of a fellowship, it's a sisterhood. I feel like it's a sisterhood. We had, you know, two years of education to get our diplomas um, at some of them from the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, some of them from the Institute of Holistic Health. And there's a few other great schools in Canada that are very reputable. And so I make a point of following them. And I do that to show them support to show a sisterhood and to show it doesn't matter. Like you can be vegan and I can be your friend. I'm not going to dislike you because of your vegan way of living. I personally don't believe in it. And if you attack me for my beliefs, that's a different story. I'm not going to attack you for your beliefs. Just like I'm not going to attack you for wearing a mask even though I personally do not believe in it. There you go. So this person who is actually in very close proximity to me unfollowed me. And it was really interesting because I kind of talked about this with uh, my guest who's going to be coming on. Um, And we talked about how fickle Instagram can be. It's like follow, unfollow. Oh, I don't like what you said today, so I'm going to unfollow you. Oh, you know, I don't like what you stand for, so I'm going to unfollow you, even though, really, we're all in this together, and we all understand and know that if we're trying to succeed in the space of social media, which diet and nutrition is huge in social media, you almost have to be there or be square. You're nowhere if you're not on social media and you work in the space of diet and nutrition and health and holistic health and lifestyle. If you're not in that social media space, you're kind of nowhere. It's very hard to succeed. So when somebody who is supposed to be part of your sisterhood unfollows you, it's, it's hard not to take it personally. It really is. And maybe that person is listening. And I hope you are. Because this kind of goes along the same lines as a friendship. Even though we are technically not friends, 
If my girlfriend was starting something up and she asked of me, can you do this for me? Can you just give me a review on Google just to help my business get started? Absolutely. In a second, I would do it within 24 hours. That is what a sisterhood is. That is what friendship is. This is what people who have white privilege do. We speak up. Whoa, now I'm like blowing my own mind away now because I had all this to say and wow. So now I'm going to talk about something else. I'm going to talk about my next uh, guest who I'm going to cut through to the interview. I'm going to talk about how social media can be a really positive space too because I have met a lot of amazing women really amazing. And I feel like I'm forming a great sisterhood. I feel like, you know, like, I guess, you know, my, my very, very first friend, she is, I could be her mom (laughs) because she's 20 years younger than me, but I love her to death. She's also a registered holistic nutritionist and I will do what I can to help her out in any way I can, but she's probably more successful than I am. But still, it's called sisterhood. And so I met Anne-Marie Foley, who is my guest. She is an intuitive coach and Reiki master teacher. And we can't, neither of us can remember how we met on Instagram, but somehow we connected. And what I find super cool is that her and I have formed a sisterhood we support each other. I support. And it doesn't matter like exactly what she says. I support her in her vision, in her business, in um, in just hoping and wishing for her success. So it's just amazing how sometimes you can meet somebody even though it's virtually, and you just connect with that person. So I love that. I love when that happens. A lot of times it takes time to get a read because people are not always who they are when you first meet them. And I'm talking about in person. In person, And on social media, a lot of times people are not really themselves. So again, it's hard to really get to know who they are. So Anne-Marie Foley is a very fascinating woman. I think you're going to find her super, super engaging. She's a person who I connect with. We somehow just align. And um, I believe that our interview together, you will find really useful and beneficial. So here she is, Anne-Marie Foley. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. And today with me, I have intuitive coach and Reiki master teacher, Anne-Marie Foley. Welcome, Anne-Marie. Hi, Sandy. Thank you. It's so nice to be with you this morning. I'm actually really, really excited to have you on. Um, Anne-Marie and I, we met through Instagram and we're not we're actually not 100% sure how we met 
but we somehow really connected and we really connected energetically and I loved it and we just spent like the last 15 minutes chatting and it's no different than what I felt through Instagram. So I guess we could start by just, Amory, if you could just tell us your story and how you got into what you do. Yes, um, and I follow up with just what you were saying, the power of connection is just so powerful, isn't it? So yeah. grateful for the connection. Um, so what I do and how I got on this journey is a bit of a long story, but I'll give you the quick version. Um, my story started when I was 23, actually. Um, I'm now 46. Um, I had a near-death experience, an out-of-body experience. I was very sick with um, bacterial meningitis, and um, I was given my last rites. And mm. it wasn't my time, and I share my story, not to bestow my belief onto anyone, but just to share my experience, because it's what led me on this healing journey of doing healing work. Um, I definitely experienced the divine white light, and my body, my spirit left my body. I can't tell you for how long it was, but it was something that impacted me and changed the direction of my life. I was engaged at the time, and about I was in the hospital about four weeks, and then I was released, and I had rehab afterwards because my body was ravished after being that sick. But I, I got it back, and I was busy at the time. I was engaged um, to my... Uh, then husband, who's now my ex-husband, so I'll share that in a minute. Um, and I was busy with planning all the, the fine details of getting married, and I'm from Ireland, so we were getting married in Ireland. So my journey took me on that road, and I was married um, 14 years, and divorce entered my life about eight years ago, and that was my next big spiritual awakening, um, because literally that ripped my whole life from underneath me so I was in a place of finding myself to start over so a crazy thing happened to me at the end of the divorce I went to the dentist for a filling and I received the filling went terribly wrong and I was actually overdosed on Novocaine and my lingual nerve which is attached to the trigeminal nerve in the face was severed because of the overdose so I was left with a permanent injury and living with pain the rest of my life with no, no good news of saying we can heal this, we can make this better. Um, the news that I received was this is permanent and we can help your pain, but we can't fix this injury. So I was devastated and I was left emotionally um, and physically in pain. I was traumatized from my divorce and now I was dealing with physical pain. So I was introduced to yoga um, about nine years ago as a coping mechanism for the pain. And along the same time, at the same time, I was introduced to um, meditation. And I quickly understood and felt once I went into meditation, I didn't have the same level of pain. So it also very quickly, probably second or third time going into meditation, I was brought back and shown the same energy I was shown when I was 23. So it became a practice. I started to practice as a coping mechanism for pain. And in that process and in that time, 
my intuitive gifts that I knew I had from the time I was a child started to blow open. So I started to understand everything happens for a reason. All things that happen to us, you know, we have to take the negative and put it into the positive. So, you know, as horrific as the injury was, um, and is, I still live with pain on a daily, um, I understand that it was part of my journey. And I never would have gone down this path of doing healing work probably if I didn't have that particular experience from the experiences prior. So that's a quick little overview as to what led me on this journey. Wow. Okay. Wow. I, I can most certainly relate with you. I mean, you and I, somehow we have this connection, but I couldn't agree with you more that you know, sometimes it's from those painful moments that it takes you to the next phase and really what you're meant to do in this life while we're here. Right. So that's right. amazing. Now, can I ask you, you talked about the out-of-body experience. I'm fascinated with that. Not, you know, fascinated yeah. by like, what is that? Like, so you're saying that you yeah. actually, you left here. Is that when you had yeah. meningitis? I, I'd love yeah, to hear a little more. I can't more. tell you whether my eyes were closed or open. You know, I don't have that type of memory. I just have this memory of feeling the experience. And I had been brought down for another MRI. It's kind of like the final MRI to see where things were at because there was quite a few lesions on my brain. Um, and they just wanted to see the difference, we'll say, in a two-week period. So they had given me an IV. The IV went in. And had the MRI done, and it was on the ride down um, to the MRI, you know, room. These two old ladies were, and I believe in angels, and this is one of the reasons why. These two old ladies were in the elevator, and, you know, there I am. I'm, I have a cap and gown on, and I'm all hooked up, and I'm a little bit out of this. Um, I remember them visibly saying, you know, can we touch her? She looks like an angel. Can we just touch her? What's going on? Is she ill? And I remember just smiling at them and just not being afraid in that moment. And they, they raised their hands on me. I don't know if they had Reiki. Obviously, they did have Reiki, but, you know, I didn't know a lot about Reiki then. And I remember just not feeling much pain anymore. And then I was given a new antibiotic in the, I think, the next day prior after that MRI. And that's when things were like still in the shady part. So I was asked, did I want to see a priest? And the priest came. He prayed over me. And not long, I literally as he left my bed and walked towards the door in my bedroom in the hospital, I just felt my body, my spirit lift out of the body. And it was just like this warmth, um, this peaceful feeling and a light that would blind you basically. And I did hear a voice that was a female voice um, saying, it's not your time. Wow. So, you know, I don't know whose voice it was. I don't know, you know, I was born and raised Catholic. I don't know if it was Mother Mary talking to me. I don't know if it was a loved one from the other side, but it was a message that was delivered to me um, that it just wasn't my time. And, you know, over the course of the years then and going on getting married, having children, all that stuff, I've had a couple of readings done, and a couple of the readings always showed up, you know, she doesn't know who she is yet. And I 
kind of never put it all together until one day when I came into meditation and it made more sense to me. So to answer the question, what was it like? It was a divine experience that forever changed my life that, you know, even as I'm talking to him, I goosebumps. Um, I have them too, Amory. Wow. <laughs> so when we get the goosebumps, it's validation of the divine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one, for as much pain as I was in in that moment, because I just wanted the pain to end, and if my life ended, I would have been okay with it, I was in that much pain, um, but obviously God had a different plan for me. Wow. Okay, um, so, that is, yeah. wow, <laughs> that's... divine and light and beautiful and all of those things, so... Prior to that, I did fear death a lot. I had a fear of death, right? Most people do have fear of death because it's the unknown. And from that time, point forward in my life, I did not fear death anymore. That I knew when my life would end in this earth, whenever that would be, um, and God willing, it will be a long time yet, that it's okay, you know? And I know that it's part of my purpose to share this message and be with people when they do cross over. I work a lot with people, um, that are traumatized by death or that are going through people that are losing people to horrific illnesses. Um, because wow. death is something that should not be feared. You know, we're, we're here having this experience in this life, in the human physical form, but we're, he- we're energy. Yeah. And that energy doesn't die once we, the physical body expires. You know, we go on um, energetically in other forms and other things. That's fascinating, okay. really. I, I, yeah. I just, I know it's not exact, like we're kind of going off topic here, but I can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because, you know, I have heard of some people, and see, I'm going to get very emotional here, who yeah. have a very difficult time transitioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, you help them to transition in a, I guess, an easier way without that fear. Like, so do you think it's that fear? Because I know of, you know, I, my mother-in-law passed away two years ago. It's actually almost close to the anniversary of her passing. And it, you know, I saw her two days before she passed and it was really, really tough because she did seem like she was in a lot of distress. And maybe yeah. it was like, is that what it is? Is it fear? I mean, it's hard because everyone's journey is so different and everyone is, you know, our life experiences, you know, the things that happen to us in this life, you know, we all vibrate on different levels of consciousness. But control and fear are the two things that people struggle with in, on the daily. But as you enter into an illness and you enter into your you being faced with looking at you know what your your life may be ending it seems to be in my experience harder for people that struggle with control and fear and so the idea then in the practice of yoga and things like reiki is to teach you in 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 your healthy life to be in the flow and not to be holding on to anything, not even your thoughts. Because when we hold on, um, 
it just creates blockages and energetically in the body and in the mind, you're going to have a much harder time and that builds up. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does because, you know, I I spent many, many years trying to figure out why certain things have happened to me. You know. Right. <laughs> see, you're getting, oh, wow, you're bringing something <laughs> out in me. I'm really emotional here. Holy smokes. Okay. It is. We're having a healing session, people. This is exciting. Anyway, um, maybe not so much for me right now, but no, but seriously, uh, there's many times in the past where I would constantly search for the answers. Why did my child get sick at the age of five? Why did I get sick right after? Why did my husband die? Oh, die. Sorry. <laughs> almost die a year after I got sick like it was like you know I call it the snowball effect and right. I think you know well for years I tried to figure out why and mm -hmm. you know I I the only time I could get an answer in the last three years I've been really really meditating and working on clearing that space clearing that fear um, the only answer I have is it's just to take me to where I am now. Like, I don't right. know. Does that even make sense? Because I'm like, well, I don't think I would have been a nutritionist. I don't think I would have been going back to school for three years in my late 40s. Right. Like, that's not what I would have thought of prior to all these happenings. So... You know, that's my answer. And I don't think I would have come to that answer had I not really calmed my mind because I have a really hard time with that. So maybe this is a good segue to get into, you know, what exactly is Reiki and what are the benefits? Yeah, yeah well, first of all, everyone should have Reiki in their life. <laughs> I hope after whoever listens to this, I hope you go on and you learn about Reiki. Okay, Reiki yeah, let's tell everyone. Very, yes. Yeah, yeah. So what it is, it's from Japan, right? So the spiritual healing art um, that was brought to the United States um, in 1937, um, the founder of Reiki was Neko Ushu, and he was from Japan. He didn't live too much of a long life. He was born in 1865 and died in 1926. So he's the founding father. Um, he was a Christian man, uh, Christian beliefs. So... Reiki is energy, and I describe this when I have students and I give talks, that you divide it into two, it's the ray and the key, and the ray is universal, and the key is what is underneath the skin, and it channels through the body, assisting all cell function in the body. So when you put them together, my description is connection, right? The ray and the key come together, we come here to connect. So when we have the key, what activates the key in the body is positive thoughts, right? So that old saying that we have, oh, keep your thoughts positive, it's actually very profound. The positive thoughts not only channels the key, it activates it. So do you ever look at someone who is super um, high energetically and they remain positive no matter what they're hit with in life? They just have that ability to be positive, guaranteed, they don't have any chakra blockages, the energy is flowing. Now, it's 
so easy to say all this, right? Because we get hit with the hard stuff of living life and stuff happens to us and trauma happens to us and death happens, illness happens, divorce happens. So when we have trauma or we have negative thoughts, in particular, then it starts with a negative thought. It's the key from flowing smoothly in the body. And you don't want to stop the flow of the key because then blockages occur and they could occur or you know the kidney the heart area and then you have the cell function in those areas they're going to start mutating and before you know it you have an illness in that area oh, so okay. what does reiki actually do if you see a reiki practitioner you know if you listen to this they're like wow i'm curious to know what would you know what does reiki do so when you see a Reiki practitioner, they've been attuned to different attunements that allows them to facilitate Reiki from source into someone, into someone energetically. So when I typically work on someone, I'm usually drawn to scan the whole body and do the whole body. But you can work on the crown chakra and release the Reiki into that person, and that Reiki will go wherever it's needed. I don't necessarily need to work on your feet knowing you have a foot problem. It's best if I go to that area. Right. The Reiki will find its way because it immediately knows once it enters into the body, wait, we got issues here. Let let me flow up to the heart. Um, It's not uncommon when I work on people for them to feel different sensations and for everyone it's different because everyone is going through different stuff, vibrant and different levels of consciousness. But the most common feeling people will feel receiving Reiki is heat, right? So you're going to feel like heat coming from the palms of the practitioner's hands. Some people experience pins and needles. Some people experience cold. Some people get all of the sensations. Um, it's not uncommon to be exhausted after a session, or you could be extremely energetic, again, depending on where you're at and what the Reiki wants to do. So okay. that's a little bit about a small experience with the Reiki. Okay, so two questions from what you just said. So, um, you know, I, I just know because I've had Reiki done on me, by two different practitioners, one very experienced and one new who was just learning on me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they never touched me. Mm. Um, so I don't know, I guess with Reiki, you're not supposed to touch is, or you can touch or, you know, maybe you can explain so that. Yeah, there's really no rules. Uh, I don't teach the rules either because each practitioner is going to have and should have their own authentic style. But traditional Reiki, you do not need to place your hands. Your hands do not physically need to come in contact with the person you're working on. You can just hover above the body. There are times I work on people and automatically in certain areas um, on the body and certain Times in the actual hour treatment, my hands will be drawn to go down and be on that place, whether it's their knee or whether it's their ankle. I intuitively follow whatever I'm guided to do. So it can go either way. There's no right or wrong way, okay. but the most common thing most people will do, being a practitioner, 
is hover the hands above the body. Okay, yeah, that's what I've I've experienced and I've seen. But so, how would you, how would you? Because I know you do distance Reiki as well, but and it yeah. would be using a photograph. But how, like, how do you know? I mean. I think in a photograph, people can have so many different looks. You know, you might look at me in a picture and go, oh my gosh, and then meet me and say, she's so different in real life than her photos. So, like, how do you know? So, distance Reiki, not every Reiki practitioner will offer us. Usually, um, those that are intuitive or somewhat psychic, those are the people that would be drawn to offer the distance Reiki. And that Everyone, once you're a practitioner, you can practice distance Reiki because you receive the attunement in level two. But what it is, it's basically everything to do with the hermetic law, which is everything around energy, that we are all connected. So I, prior to sending distance Reiki to a client, they're going to know at the time I'm sending it. I meditate, and I usually get downloaded what's going on with that person. Um, so it's like an intuitive session as well. And I'm able to channel the Reiki from my source to where it needs to go in that person. So I'm, I'm mentally um, checking in like on a mental, on a spiritual, and the energy then is just channeled through that. Okay. that uh, So the intuition part is the big part of the distance, really? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, I, I do want to get back on that intuition side, but I do want to get to this question because I always, so you had said that you grew up Catholic as well. So, so did I. Yeah. I am uh, born Canadian, but my parents are Croatian born, so I'm Croatian Catholic. And right. it's interesting because I have heard this from priests, so Catholic priests, to be a little bit weary of things like Reiki and Feng Shui. And I'm like, huh, well, I'm into that, but that doesn't mean I like don't believe in God. Like, you know, but they're saying yeah. be be weary of this because you can open up a portal to the unknown. And so that right there has just taught me, like, don't allow anybody to, I guess, infiltrate your own energy unless you trust them. Maybe you can talk about this so-called portal. Like, you also have a Catholic upbringing, so, you know, enlighten yeah. me. <laughs> I don't want to feel like I'm so bad that I believe yeah, in this. I mean, I was born and raised in Catholic <laughs> Ireland, so, you oh, know, yeah. I don't have anything like that attached to it. And I don't know whether it's because I had this experience or not, but um, I don't believe in all of the teachings of the Catholic Church, um, especially if they were you know, if they're going to say stuff like that. Judgment, yes. An energetic practice, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I don't have that belief theory or stigma around this, but it is something I've come up against and been challenged on it. Again, it goes back to level of consciousness, level of exposure, education, all of these things. And it's not for everybody. You know, I'm not going to force something that's not for you. Um, but it is a, a valid question. I don't believe it's opening up any portal. Okay. Um, you know, no. Okay. The thing that's going to open you up is the Reiki. 
you know, to be channeled correctly. Right, but I, you know, the, the one thing I do believe is that, you know, feeling energetically compatible with your practitioner, I think, yeah. is important because, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, it's almost like that whole theory back in the olden days of, you know, good versus evil. And, you know, are there Reiki practitioners who are evil and trying to <laughs> instill bad things in people? Like, well, I think, it's, I think like in all walks of life, right, you have people that are in the business because, you know, we have to make a business out of things, right? Right, and, right. You know, we have, right, it's like it's a gift, but you also need to make a living out of your gift. Um, I think like with anything, you're going to get the people that are not authentic. Yes. And that, you know, but you again, you'll be drawn to who you need to be drawn to. But yeah, to, to be smart and to educate yourself on it um, and not just go to anybody, make sure that they're properly certified. When I teach Reiki, I, it's, I I don't mandate, I suggest that you leave two to three months in between all levels when you're studying and training because you need time to let the body become attuned to this new practice that you're doing. You need time to practice on people. You. I've seen people try to do courses one, two, three, and become a master within six months or a year. You know, no judgment. I just don't, to me, that's not sticking to the integrity of this beautiful practice. So I think it's important. I agree with what you're saying, and there's people out there that are, you know, I don't want to label them, but wouldn't have the best interest at heart. Okay. Of, um, of the actual practice itself and maybe they're in it just for money or whatever it is. You right. know, you'll know by looking at someone's profile doing their research, kind of getting a feel of who they are. Okay, so how long, like for, for anybody who would be interested in becoming a Reiki practitioner, how long would you say it takes between, because there's, is it three levels or four levels? So there's level one, level two, and I also, I offer advanced level, which some masters don't. They go right to the master level. So there's three to four levels. Okay. Um, I like when people teach the advanced level because it's uh, recapping level one, level two, refreshing the attunements. Maybe they haven't practiced in a while. Uh, I think with least you can do it in a year to two years. That would be my suggestion. Um, I did it over the study of five years, but that's just where I wasn't life and a timing thing. But I think for you to go away and do it like on a weekend, take level one and two, that's hard even on your body. Because when you receive the attunement, it takes a while to adjust. Right. Um, so for everyone, it's different, but kind of within a two-year frame, you want to become take level one to get to the master if that's what you're desiring. Okay, that's good to know. And um, uh, I, so you can still do Reiki without. Okay, so let's get into intuition because everyone loves to talk about intuition. I mean, I guess you know, for me, I don't know, I. My belief is that your intuition comes 
from allowing yourself to be present and almost like you need that silence to listen. Yeah. So, because... Yeah. And how do we get there? Like, yeah. How like, do we how do you get there? better at being intuitive. Yeah. So how you get there is through practices, discipline, and motivation. Okay. So practices being meditation. I am one of the fans of meditation. What is meditation? It's different for everybody. But the basic practice of meditation is closing your eyes and being with your breath. And starting with this five-minute practice, hopefully with the idea of you practicing this five-minute practice will bring you into a 20-minute practice. Most people get scared when they hear meditation because they think they're supposed to close their eyes and go to that woo-woo place, right? Yeah, yeah. And that they're all zened out. And that's not, the, that's not what it is. You'll eventually get there, but that takes years of practice. Um, you'll start to see a difference once you start. And I, I like to teach morning meditation because then that sets the tone of the day. Yes. And then evening meditation as well. You know, not everyone is on the same schedule. Some people like nighttime evening meditations. But if you can allow yourself five minutes in the morning to connect with your breath, right? And just be with your breath. Don't have any music on. Just sitting on a chair in your bedroom or in your living room, wherever you are. Closing the eyes, getting in tune with the breath. Your energy level will be so much calmer. So your, your thought pattern for the day will be so much clearer. So the intuition, what is intuition? The intuition is the soul. And the soul is already, you know, it knows itself. It's been downloaded and it's already ahead of you. And so when we get that gut feeling on something or some, you know, feeling, it's 100% right, but we've learned to second-guess ourselves. And oh, yeah. Second-guess ourselves. So the more, my answer to you becoming more intuitive is meditation is absolutely the key to that. And then other practices on top of that, like healthy eating. I'm not a vegan, but I really don't eat a lot of red meat, if at all. Mm-hmm. Um, eating clean. The cleaner you eat, you're going to see how much when you go into meditation, you see and feel messages and get clearer. So it's a whole lifestyle of a practice of becoming more intuitive. It's about what you're watching, what you're listening to. It's about who you're surrounding yourself with. It's not just about having a meditation practice and then the rest of your life is toxic. You know, you can't be an intuitive individual if you have that in your life. You have to have a lot of light and love and and peace. And so, you know, even in your own bedroom, which should be your sanctuary of where your space is, you should have a space where that can be yours um, to be able to learn then to sit for five minutes. And that five minutes will go into 15, 20 minutes. Not everyone has 20 minutes a day, but I promise you, if you start your day with 20 minutes meditation, your intuition is going to be on fire. Yeah, that's... um... I am definitely one of those people who had a very hard time with meditation. So I started meditating three years ago. And um, I personally, I still use it. It's called the Muse Meditation Headband. And I ha- I, I'm a morning meditator. And I usually spend 10 minutes is, is my threshold. 
Um, and the reason I, the reason I use the headband, honestly, is because I, I, that, that chatter in my brain would keep going, am I meditating right now? Is it really happening? Is it, am I calm? Am I not calm? You know, and so (laughs) I know it sounds funny, but I think a lot of people go through that when they're like questioning, am I doing it right? Am I not? And so I found this headband because it measures the beta, the theta, all the waves in your brain to tell you, okay, you know, you spent this much time. <laughs> I, and I'm a metrics girl. Like I love my numbers. I mean, there's no question. I have an aura ring. I have a meditation. Habit. I love to see, okay, is this doing anything? And I have to say, I align with you so perfectly when it comes to um, diet, exercise, food. So a a perfect example is if the night before I'm at a concert with friends and I've had a few drinks, which I do in balance, in balance. But you know, if I do that, then the next morning me meditating is just not going to happen. It's right. not. Right. And no, so... That, that, we all need the balance, right? But uh-huh. um, the, the energy level of the next morning is very different, right, than the energy of the morning you have meditated. Oh, um, yes. But balance is super important. So having a night out and having a few drinks, super important. For people that are getting attunement, for example, the week prior, I tell them to be really careful about their diet that week, and in particular, no red meat the night before they come to receive an attunement. And I try to tell that with people when I do um, one-on-one sessions and I'm doing healing work. It's very important because the, the gut, as you know, being a nutritionist, everything is in the gut. And when the gut's clogged, it's hard for the energy to move through the body. So it just makes it harder for the Reiki to move. Interesting. So, see, I I actually really love that because um, that just shows you, and I I speak about this, and eventually, whenever my program's done, I've been writing it for a while now, but I talk about the whole balance thing. So it's not about saying, okay, if I go and I do the keto diet for one month straight and I'm skinny, and then I'm going to be a perfect Reiki master. And I'm like, it's, it's not about that. It's about living your entire life in balance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, Sorry. You know, I'm a big believer. You can't teach unless you're practicing the practice. Yeah. It's not authentic, right? So whatever I teach, I practice. I meditate every day. I used to do 4 o'clock before COVID, a.m. I'm an early riser, but now I'm more 6 o'clock riser. I was going to um, say, you get up at 4? <laughs> I do. Oh, my I gosh. I still think I'm on Irish side. But I do. I'm an early riser, and that 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes in the morning is my meditation practice. Anyone knows it was like the joke, don't, you know, that's my time. And don't call me after 9 in the evening because she's doing her thing over there. Um, and I eat clean, and I practice yoga. I work out every day. Maybe I'll take some days off sometimes. I, it would be, you know, I wouldn't be holding integrity, integrity to the practice, being a healer and a Reiki master teacher and intuitive if I had a toxicity on any level in my life it just wouldn't work I wouldn't have 
you know, the success with my clients. It's just it's that there's no way the Reiki could move and do its thing. So it's so important to know that consistency with everything is what the key is, right? So we mm-hmm. have to have the practice and the dedication to the practice. And when we don't have the motivation for the dedication, let's have the discipline. So there is like a formula, you know, for this um, practice. And that's like for anything in life. And again, you have to have the balance. You have to have, you know, the days where you take off. You're going to be not meditating that day. You do something that is still in that realm of, you know, honoring who you are, whatever it is. But, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so just to wrap this up, what, I guess, you know, because people who are listening, they're going to want to know, okay, what would you recommend? So one of the things that you talked about, obviously, is, you know, eating well, exercise, try a meditation practice, like all of these things will open up your own intuition. Is there anything else that you'd want to add and and yeah. second so part, sec, a, sorry, yeah. second um, part. Getting to, honest with yourself, right? So you can desire all these things and achieve all these things, but unless you're going to want to do the work and get to the core of whatever it is within you that is not happy, that wants change, or you know, you're healing to do or trauma to heal, being honest with yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> metaphorically speaking, um, but taking a look and going inward, searching for who am I, do I know who I am, and going on that journey because the journey of authenticity is the key to all of this. We can desire to be a Reiki master or to, you know, receive Reiki treatment, but unless we're being honest with the intention that's behind it, it doesn't serve good. And then, you know, this is also the key. Authenticity is the key to the intuition. You know, there's only one Sandy, there's only one Anne Marie. And embrace that, you know, learn to be the best you you can be, your authentic self. You know, we, we're all inspired by other people that we see out there on social media or on, you know, on the same platform. But we should never desire to be that person. We should desire to be the best self, the best oneself, and the best authentic self. And that's going to, you know, help that intuition blow open. Nothing is more powerful when you share the vulnerable, the vulnerability that exists in you. That's going to heal you. Right. Yes, I would have to agree. And healing is, it's actually hard work. It's not an easy process. It's not an easy journey. So there's a lot of people who live in the, I'm going to just put that over aside and continue on with my life and do my thing and pretend that that never happened. Right? Right. So, okay, that's good. And so do you only teach it or do you practice it as well? Like if other, if, if anybody contacts me and wants to get a hold of you, do you actually practice Reiki as well? I do practice, yeah. Practice is a big part of my work. Um, seeing clients one-on-one 
and then teaching it. Um, actually, I've just created a virtual teaching, which I kind of was on the fence with for years, but, you know, the way times are moving and sticking with the integrity of the practice, um, I did create a program that people can kind of get online, but that's coming in July, August. Um, but that's I great. do see clients, I, I do intuitive work over the phone, I see clients one-on-one. Uh, prior to COVID, I was seeing clients, you know, in an office environment, so I do see clients, yeah. Okay, great. So for any of my listeners who are local to me, Anne-Marie can see you virtually now. She does, yeah. you know, so because... A lot of my listeners are from the Toronto area, so that's wonderful to know. And is there anything else you would like to add, Anne-Marie? Um, just, you know, if you're interested in Reiki, definitely am passionate about Reiki being part of people's lives because it changed mine so much. Um, even if you've never the desire to go on and after level one, just receiving the level one, attunements will open you up, bring such peace and clarity to your mind, your body, your spirit. Um, Learning about Reiki, having Reiki in your life, looking into meditation, eating better, um, and surrounding yourself with good good people. Great. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. I really enjoyed our session today. And I look forward to continuing our friendship. Yes, thank you for having me, Sunday. Thank you. you Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Join me next week where I cover off more exciting topics. I hope to continue to engage you and excite you and show you that living in your 40s, 50s and beyond can be exciting, balanced and healthful. Bye for now.